This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here. Please excuse my voice today. (laughs) A little bit hoarse, but that's okay. I've got Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson here to do all the heavy lifting for me with Transitions Life Care. Mary and Sam, how are you doing today? Doing well. Sounding a little bit better than you. Yeah. For once, Mary and I's voices can shine on here. Yes, please, please do. Well, let's jump right into action today. And we're going to be talking about uh, government employees. And we are pleased to welcome Richard Rogers on the show. He's the executive director of the North Carolina Retired Governmental Employees Association. Richard, thank you for joining us today. Great. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, one I, I researched a fun fact I didn't realize, and I was kind of doing some research for the show today, but the North Carolina state government is the largest employer in North Carolina, which is wow. amazing. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, so we're excited to learn more today about the North Carolina Retired Governmental Employees Association. What a mouthful. Um, and Richard, <laughs> Richard, surely many of our listeners fall into the category of retired governmental employees or their spouses or family member. I know Sam, you're spouse. My husband teaches, so I'm interested to learn more about this. Yeah. So, Richard, can you talk to us about the mission of the association? Uh, Yeah. So, the association has been around for 50 years. We've actually just um, celebrated our 50th anniversary. Uh, It was uh, organized and developed in 1971 with the mission of making sure that uh, the pension uh, and the benefits that retirees and state employees have maintained strong and that kind of thing. Over the years, we've grown, obviously. Uh, we've added some uh, supplemental benefits like dental and vision and those kinds of care and then provided other benefits for our, our members as well. Uh, currently today, we have about 65,000 members in the association. And you mentioned that government is the largest employer in the state. There's over 400 and 340,000 state and local government retirees across North Carolina as well. Wow, so just a few people there. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So I think a lot of people don't really understand or realize really the breadth of governmental employees. I know I mentioned uh, my husband's a teacher, so obviously that includes our public school workers. Can you provide for us some examples of who falls into this category of governmental Uh, employees? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the actually the retirement and pension system has different seven different systems. They include clerks of court. They include judges. Uh, it includes uh, municipal employees, um, the folks that uh, unclog the sewers and keep the sewer plants running, uh, that make sure that your toilet flushes, uh, as well as police, um, sheriffs. Uh, there's a large variety of folks, of course, all the different state entities that work as well in education, as you mentioned, Department of Transportation, highway workers, uh, environmental uh, workers in, in the Department of Environment, uh, Natural Resources, uh, and the list goes on. So it's a wow. wide breadth of um, local employees, which all work in the cities uh, and counties. Uh, and then the state employees that uh, represent the state and its efforts. Wow. So how does someone become a member, and what are some of the benefits and resources available to these members? 
Yeah, so, um, you know, the membership, uh, you, uh, we send out uh, information to all our members uh, when they retire. Uh, obviously, at retirement, there's a lot of stuff going on in your life and a lot of mail going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we give a mailer out to all the all the folks. Uh, they're also more than happy to give a call to our association and can join that way um, or go online. Uh, to www.ncrgea.com. Some of the benefits uh, we uh, supply, I mentioned earlier, uh, we have dental uh, and vision plans. Lots of times when you're coming out of going into retirement, the dental coverage and vision coverage you have with your employer does not go on uh, forever. It goes on for six months or so. So we try to fill that gap and provide that supplemental insurance uh, benefit for our members. Uh, we have discount programs for our members. We have a great Office Depot discount that our members enjoy it uh, a whole lot. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's good. The other thing we do for our members is we try to make sure we stay abreast of all the things that related to uh, their pension plan uh, and how that's being managed uh, and work to try to make sure that they get cost of living adjustments on a regular basis as well. Mm. So, Richard, what are some of the biggest priorities you're focusing on as an association right now? Yeah, so thanks for asking that question. Mm-hmm. One thing that we've done over the last 18 months is do a strategic plan uh, in trying to refocus our energies and make sure we're serving our members better. Uh, we did a SWOT analysis, which is um, your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats. And what we found uh, is that one of the things we need to do is uh, diversify our efforts of communication. Uh, we're in a digital age now, uh, and what the reality hit us during the pandemic, right, during, during mm-hmm. COVID, mm-hmm. Uh, when we couldn't meet together, when we couldn't get face-to-face, and we switched to Zoom. We did a whole strategic process through Zoom, which I'm not going to go into that <laughs> fact, but uh, feel your it, it happened. And I think it really led us to understand that uh, our members are uh, engaging on different medias and social media, whether it's Facebook, um, and they have the ability to do that. And we need to communicate with them through those different channels. Uh, we're also working to be more of a go-to organization for our retirees and provide them information they need, whether it's about the current frauds that are going on with through scams and those kinds of things, mm-hmm. um, or if it's about health care assistance that they need as well. And we're trying to build ourselves or introducing a new website uh, and increasing our di- digital footprint uh, with our members and engaging in that way. Uh, trying to be that go-to resource for all retirees uh, in North Carolina. That's wonderful. You guys have done a lot of hard work on that, it sounds Mm -hmm. like. Absolutely. So are there local chapters and opportunities to network or meet others and be involved? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's another thing that came out of the strategic planning. We we are a centralized organization. Uh, While we have 65,000 members, uh, we get to touch them, reach out to them, and meet with them about once every three years. Uh, so we don't get to our members in their communities. Uh, we are in the process of developing local chapters across the state uh, and would encourage uh, local and state retirees to uh, look on our website, come to a meeting, and uh, get involved. Uh, one thing that we realize is that we need to expand our partnerships. Uh, so we're um, 
We want to work with the senior centers and all the activities and things that seniors do or retirees do uh, in their communities uh, and get engaged that way too. So absolutely, we're working on developing and expanding our local engagement with our members as well. That's excellent. So with this large of a group of stakeholders, your power to promote change and have a positive influence on policy is really quite strong, you know, ranging from health care to financial decisions. Do you all work with our legislators on key issues that impact this group of retirees and the current state employees? Absolutely. Uh, we uh, spend a lot of our time at the legislature. Uh, we also provide updates to our members on a weekly basis when the legislature's in session, which uh, seems to be pretty much all the time uh, <laughs> these days. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we have a team of lobbyists that work uh, uh, basically to make sure that that pension plan that is a really strong and uh, good uh, pension plan, probably the top three in the U.S., uh, as well finance. So um, it's a we work hard at that, uh, spend a lot of time in the legislature and advocate uh, for our retirees. One of the biggest subjects we've had lately is the lack of cost of living adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really been no cost of living adjustments for our local retirees in 12 years. Uh, so you can imagine that their pension values um, are getting reduced every year as a result of that. Uh, and state employees have had a rough go of it as well. So that's a priority for us as we work with the legislature uh, and uh, the treasurer. That's great news. And so, Richard, one last question for you. How do people find out more and sign up to for your association? Yeah, again, uh, come to our website, um, and you're welcome to go to www.ncrgea.com. Uh, and also, one thing that we do is we pick up the phone. Uh, you can give us a call uh, at our office. Uh, that number is 919-834-4652. Uh, we'll pick up the phone. Be more than happy to answer any questions you have and uh, uh, get you joined up. Perfect. That website again, ncrgea.com, ncrgea. He is Richard Rogers, Executive Director of the North Carolina Retired Governmental Employees Association. Richard, thank you so much for your time today. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. We are now turning our focus to senior living options and solutions. And we are pleased to welcome Karen Upberg on the program. She is a senior living specialist with All About Seniors, Inc. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Karen, I'm excited to talk to you today because placement services and senior living options is really 
always such a hot topic um, mm-hmm. for us. And it's something I come across a lot in my day-to-day role in transitions where I'm talking to families. You know, a lot of folks come to a crossroads where they need to start looking at placement for their loved one. And it's it can be tricky to, to help them navigate that. So let's just start off, Karen, to first tell us about yourself and what you do. Um, I have been working in the senior industry since 1999. Um, my first position was with Resources for Seniors in the Total Life Center, their adult day program. Um, since then, I have worked in many facets of senior living. Um, most recent, I had a geriatric care management practice for about 10 years. Um, and I just, I love seniors. I love helping families. And um, this opportunity came up with Davis Caps, who started All About Seniors, Mm -hmm. and um, I was excited to join him with this. That's great. So as as an advisor of these services, can you talk to us about how you can help caregivers and their loved ones through this process of location and and helping them get placement? Yes. So as a senior living specialist, knowing... um, the area we are we are a local company we're not a franchise or anything so um we all are local we work and live in the areas um, of the seniors that we're helping and um of course making a decision whether it is to stay in your own home and need care at home and trying to figure out how that all works in the best way and the finances and that kind of thing is is um, always stressful and especially if it's during a crisis mode and the same with placement trying to find um, a community that might be that is going to be a good fit and um, that also has amenities that you are interested in and again the cost factor always comes up Mm -hmm. so we work with a range of communities in the area and um, one of the things that we do when we meet with families is kind of we we listen we listen to their story Um, we ask questions we try to find out what is important to them and from there we can come up with some different ideas and solutions Um, you know there's always the large um, assisted living communities and one of the best kept secrets, I feel, are the small residential or family care homes. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, once they learn about that, that can always be a good option for someone. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And this family care homes seem to be mm-hmm. popping up everywhere. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about a common scenario that we see a lot of times. I know I see this almost daily. Um, A caregiver is at the hospital. Their loved one, the person they're providing care for, has been hospitalized. And they've had a significant change. And going home isn't really an option for them anymore. They're not able to provide that same level of care for them at home. So um, they're at the hospital. And then the next thing you know, uh, the case manager or hospital team come in and say, okay, we're going to be discharging and we're discharging today or tomorrow. (laughs) So what's next? Can move-ins happen that quickly? They can. Um, I think what is important for families to understand is it may not be exactly where they want it to be. Everyone says, oh, I I want to be close to my home. Mm -hmm. So 
in in a kind of a emergency situation like that, I try to help families understand that we can find a place that's not going to be an issue. It just may not be exactly where you want. And mm-hmm. I think it, not that someone wants to have to move multiple times, mm-hmm. but understanding that where they may be going from the hospital does not have to be a permanent residence. Mm-hmm. Right. Get there, and then, as things are settling, start looking elsewhere, get name on your name on a waiting list. Um, and many people having to move into a community after hospitalization, it can be short-term. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a transition time. And once they get their strengths back, sometimes they can go back home. Sometimes they can move to an independent living or senior housing instead of an assisted living or skilled nursing, right? That's where many people go for um, when they're discharged from the hospital. Mm-hmm. But that's short term. Absolutely. You know, something that I'm familiar with from helping take care of my grandfather, but maybe others aren't, is the Veterans Aid and Attendance Benefit. Uh, Do you have experience working with it and how it can help others? I have some experience. Mm -hmm. I have have resources that have a lot of experience Mm -hmm. in that. But yes, so it can be a great um, uh, source of revenue for someone who, who... has limited income, um, and it doesn't have to be just for the veteran themselves. It can be the spouse of the veteran. So, um, you know, working with that and helping um, at least giving the people, families resources Mm -hmm. to look into that, I always do ask that question. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a benefit that's out there that a lot of people don't realize exist. Oh, yeah. So, Karen, what are some critical questions that families should be asking when they're looking for a new living situation? Uh, uh, There's an array of questions. I think um, depending on the type of living situation they're looking for, are they, is it someone who is just, their home is is overwhelming to them, right? Mm -hmm. So they're still healthy but just the upkeep of their home is, is too much. So they want to kind of downsize. Um, and there's several options that way. There's, there's what we call the kind of a newer thing we're seeing in their area, 55 over apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so that's still independent and you're coming and going and that kind of thing. Um, and in all honesty, there are not a lot of 55-year-olds living in communities like that. Um, they're a little bit older. Um, to the independent living um, or retirement communities that may offer um, one or two meals, three meals a day. So, you know, depending on the type of service and, and the needs of the per- individual, um will kind of determine where what we're going to look for for them. It's very helpful. Is it ever too early to call for help in placement services? And I emphasize no. <laughs> <laughs> it it would make it would help the senior themselves, the family members, us, anyone planning ahead, looking. It's not something that's on a person's kind of 
top 10 list to do, um, but it has great benefit of mm-hmm. doing that ahead of time. Um, and tr- just with the mindset of, okay, this is not what I want and need right now, but knowing what's out there, what are my options, kind of investigating that, seeing what the differences are. Um, it's some places have waiting lists, and so that is something to take into consideration. Um, and that's what, as senior living specialists, we are aware of what's going on in the area. And we could are more than happy to help someone along the way, even if it means they're not interested in, in making a change or move for two or three years. Um, we, we all know, you know, we don't have that crystal ball to just say what, what's going to happen to us, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, we might be healthy today and doing well. And, you know, tomorrow something could happen that changes all of that. So having open communication within a family and discussing what's important to a person, I, I can't stress that enough. That's, that is probably the, the biggest thing. If, if people could do that, then um, I think it would make everybody's life easier. <laughs> <laughs> so true. That's a great point. Communication and planning are so key when it comes to making sure that you're ahead of a, a crisis or a care situation and, and getting in front of it is just, it's always the way to go. She is Karen Utberg, a senior living specialist with All About Seniors, Inc. Karen, if folks want to learn more about you or All About Seniors, where's the best place to go? You can always go to our website, allaboutseniorsnc.com. Or call, we have one main number, make it easy. That is 919-830-6478. Very good. Again, that website, allaboutseniorsnc.com. She is Karen Upberg, Senior Living Specialist with All About Seniors. And Karen, thank you so much again for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on the show. Oh, well, we loved having you, and we're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. If you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care, you can do that online anytime at transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Sam Peterson. Looking forward to having a discussion here about caregiving as we often do on the program. And we're going to have a particular discussion on filling in the caregiving gaps and to do that, we're pleased to welcome Amy Langerud. She's a RN geriatric care manager. Amy, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. 
I'm really excited to talk about this topic today. You know, this is something I, I bump into a lot in my day-to-day work. Um, in this episode, we've been talking a lot about filling in the gaps of caregiving. So in my day-to-day, I talk with a lot of families who are really struggling for caring for a loved one and finding resources. Um, either placement in an assisted living or skilled nursing facility may not be an option for them financially, or they may not qualify for skilled care at home like home health services. So, Amy, what is the first step someone should take in this kind of scenario? I think the first step that people should really take is identifying what the options are looking at the resources and um, making a decision on, is this the direction to go in? That's the first question. Mm -hmm. Looking at the option, what type of care does this family want? What type of care do they need? How many hours? And what tasks do they really need help with? Because that really will determine the type of care and who provides the care. Mm -hmm whether they want it in the morning, whether they want it in the evening, all that goes into creating um, a schedule and the right fit of a caregiver who is in their home providing care. And there are some wonderful resources out there in the community. There are directory of resources, and a lot of the information, I think, is word of mouth, people finding out who they have um, used, who other friends or family who they have used to provide this type of care and um, going on those recommendations. Definitely. I know I know we've used some of that. We've talked about it on the show before for my own grandmother who is receiving care at home right now. Um, and kind of actually stemming from that, you know, her situation, she had COVID back in November. Um, she's a tough little old bird. She was 92, had yeah. COVID, was in the hospital for about five or six days um, and then discharged home and was doing good. But you know, from that uh, hospitalization, it definitely took a little bit out of her. She was a little weaker, and she did need a little more help at home. Um, and I really worked a lot with the hospital because their first um, instinct was to send her to a skilled nursing rehab. And for my family at the time, that was really not an option we wanted, um, given the current COVID environment. And also, the only um, facility available to her was about two hours away from where my family was. So that was just not something we really wanted to delve in at that time. So we kind of had to make the decision, okay, we want to bring her home. And in my talking to a lot of families, um, given a lot of the recent visit restrictions a lot of nursing facilities have right now, a lot of more caregivers are choosing to bring their loved ones home instead. So Amy, what are some things that people can do to make sure, first of all, that their loved one is safe at home? Um, so there are a couple things. Once people, I think once they make the decision to come home, they need to make sure that that environment is the safest environment possible. Because when you are in a facility, all those things are really taken care of for you that you don't even think about. But um, just making sure even there's adequate lighting or um, depending on the diagnosis, of course, that there aren't any maybe sharp objects around mm-hmm. or the medicines are hidden. All the rugs are adhered to the floor to avoid falls, all, you know, any hazards, all those things that you don't think about that somebody at home, again, depending on the diagnosis, could get into. But, um, you know, it's also making sure that there's care at home and that somebody is there, that they're, they're not left alone. And um, some of that also is looking 
again, it gets back to looking at what options. I think um, you know, making sure that somebody is always with this person mm -hmm. and avoiding falls. That's like the number one thing, absolutely avoiding yes. falls because if somebody does fall, then it's, you know, things often change pretty significantly from that. When somebody also is going home, I'm also a big advocate of having an OT, uh, occupational therapist or physical therapist really come home, come into the home and look at the home to make any suggestions. Do they need a grab bar? Are there any modifications to the shower? Um, just allowing accessibility. So mm -hmm. all those things, allowing somebody, you know, decluttering, all those things again that you might not think of, but allowing that person to um, be cared for at home. Yeah, definitely. I know we, we did that too as well for uh, my grandmother when she returned home. We really kind of had to take a deeper look into, okay, you know, you're home with a rollator now and it's a little tougher for you to move around and you're not moving as quickly as you did before. So I wonder if some things we can do here to make this a little bit of a safer environment for you since we do want to keep you at home. And since a lot of there, people... There are also... Oh, go, um, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I just want to say there are home safety checklists online. Like I know the Alzheimer's Association has a great one, very thorough. So that's, that could really be kind of a checklist for people who are um, choosing to care for their loved ones at home. Mm, definitely a good resource for folks to check out. And since a lot of people right now are choosing in-home care, are there different levels of that type of care? There are, and that really has to be considered because the cost of the care is different. Depending on what their loved one needs, there are personal care options, companion care, or maybe somebody just wants someone to sit with their family member. Mm -hmm. And those, those, um, the cost of that varies slightly, but it, it, there is a difference in the level of care, whether somebody needs more, um, you know, more skilled care. So, and the other, you know, thing is that this type of care also is considered custodial most of the time. Mm -hmm. So it's all usually provided by a non-medical provider or agency, whatever, whatever, um, and we can talk about that, whatever resource you use mm -hmm. to provide the care, but it's, um, it's really helping with their bathing, dressing, eating, and getting in and out of bed. All that also is something, you know, that is not typically covered by Medicare also. Mm -hmm. So, but they're um, the, still the type of care that they need, whether it be somebody to help with assisting them with toileting or um, showering, might cost a little bit more than having someone just sit with someone for safety. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, we need to be clear on what they need. Yeah, definitely. And like you mentioned, kind of assessing your needs first is a, is a big help in that. Um, I know I have a lot and of... The agency Go ahead. No, the agencies will do that also. When somebody identifies with an agency, they'll have somebody come out. It's typically a nurse that will come out and meet with the family and do a complete assessment to just together as a team to decide what their needs are, and the nurse often makes their recommendations. Definitely. Um, and I know I have a lot of people ask me or sometimes leave and call, you know, us at transitions. And after talking to them for a little while, I'll kind of find out, okay, it sounds like you're looking for more of like a private duty or a PCA, a personal care assistant, we call them, uh, type service. Mm -hmm. So can you, I know you've talked about some that they can help um, with some of the daily assistance things, but can you talk with us a little bit about what they are and what they are not. How can they help you in providing care for a loved one at home? 
how can a, a personal care assistant? Mm-hmm. Is that, okay. Yeah, so some of the things that they can do, which are really important when somebody is at home, assistance with meal, meal prep, medication reminders, running errands, transportation to doctor's appointments is a big one, even acting as a scribe for when these um, family, you know, these family members go to appointments, even light housekeeping or taking them to church, whatever is really important with them. That would be more of um, like a, a companion. But personal care is more hands-on, cleaning them up in the, for personal care, cleaning them up in the bathroom, changing the pens, um, helping them get dressed, helping them with actually eating. So it's, um, it's a little, personal care is a little bit more hands-on mm-hmm. versus more of the companion sitting and, and care like that. We're speaking with Amy Langerud. She is a RN geriatric care manager with Preferred Living Solutions, and we're going to continue our conversation all about filling in the caregiving gaps right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, Traffic. If you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care, you can do that online anytime at transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Sam Peterson. Our guest on the line is Amy Langerud. She is a RN and geriatric care manager with Preferred Living Solutions, and we're having a conversation about filling in the caregiving gaps and uh, as if caregiving wasn't challenging enough, <laughs> but there's there's always those items that we we often don't think about, or you know sometimes we're in a crisis mode and you know we're, we're trying to do things the best we can as quickly as we can, and there's there's always something where we're not really able to sit down and plan things out, mm-hmm. but with with enough vision we can do that, and that's why we've got Amy here to help guide us along the way. Yes, and Amy, we're so grateful to have you here. Um, in our last segment, we were just talking, delving into a little bit about private duty aides or personal care assistance. Um, and I know that for a lot of people, the cost of that can really be a barrier. Um, are there other options out there for people to maybe consider? There are other options. Um, and I, I do want to just say one thing that often this care is paid privately. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is covered under their long-term care benefits. Sometimes we're finding that some of the managed care HMOs do have coverage for some of this care oh. that is considered kind of uh, ADL, non, you know, custodial, mm-hmm. non-skilled. And sometimes there are VA, VA benefits. But um, the other thing that I also tell families, you really have to get creative uh, when you're looking at keeping somebody at home. And that might mean having families supplement the care. So maybe you have somebody come in in the morning for a couple hours, in the middle of the day, in the evening, but in those gaps, somebody's there from the family. Mm-hmm. So it could be, you know, some, some relative, whatever that looks like, or friends, or, you know, looking into the community, looking at resources, 
There are resources out there. There are volunteer agencies just to make friendly visits through their church. So it's or there's adult day programs. I mean that the, that the person can go into during the day. So there are different options. But again, it's getting it's getting creative, and it's important at the same time to keep that person engaged at home. Just because they're home, there can be a lot less stimulation that's in the in a facility. So mm-hmm. keeping them involved, not just sitting them in front of the TV. And one of the, you know, a couple ways that people look at people have, so it's either through agency that you're getting care or care.com. Some people have had great success on the Nextdoor app, mm-hmm. which we all have in our neighborhood. So, and they're all, you know, you want to make sure that everyone, you get a background check. And for the agency, one of the reasons that I like agency, I'm actually in a situation where my mom is at home mm-hmm. with 24-hour care. And we actually prefer the agency. It's just a personal preference, whatever people want, because we know that if one of the shifts can't make it, if somebody calls in, we are guaranteed backup. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's definitely comforting. So if we have an 11 to 7, everybody lives, well, I live eight hours away, but everybody else lives an hour away, we've got a real problem at right. you know, 10 o'clock if somebody calls in. So, um, but all of them, you know, I think that's the one thing people have to think about when they're hiring someone privately is payroll, tax forms, um, are they bonded? And a lot of that can be taken care of on care.com. When people hire privately, you still are able to do some of that. You can run your own background check and do some of that, but you just have to be careful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it also, again, is done by word of mouth. Some people might know someone my twin sister works in a hospital, so she tends to see different people around. And we've had, this has been going on years, we've had a gamut of people in the home. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, um, somebody that you feel safe with and someone that's a good fit with your family member at home. And, that, you know, that's really kind of another important piece that it's, it's very invasive to be in someone's home. That's yeah. their home. That's it's, um, in the privacy of their home. You have someone you don't know it's a very personal experience you really want to make sure that it's a good fit on both ends for the caregiver and the client yeah that is so true i know that was one of our concerns with my grandmother too and and i've talked to about on the show before about how we have kind of had to piecemeal some uh, care for her because currently um, with her situation hiring an agency was very cost prohibitive for us as a family. So mm-hmm. we did, like you mentioned, do some of those other resources around the community. Um, she's very involved with her church community. So we were able to kind of lean on them a little bit and ask around and get some people in town. Um, and kind of the big uh, laugh we have right now is actually her very sweet hairdresser has offered to come and <laughs> and help her out. So I think that's a great too for she gets her weekly hairdo done. And she's also been a great help in helping her with picking up groceries, taking her to appointments, things like that. So, yeah. you know, it's such a great point you mentioned to, to really check some of those other resources you may not think of, like next door. Um, I know I'm part of a few Facebook groups even um, for caregivers who, you know, I see a great community on there. They'll go and post and say, hey, I'm looking for this or I need this for my mom or dad or whomever. And people can just kind of chime in and, and bring resources. But um, that is a good point yeah, because I have brought that up with my family before you know okay if so if her caregiver for the day can't make it what what's our backup we don't have a backup so that is a good thing Mm -hmm. to consider too when you're looking at maybe hiring an agency 
Um, and I know you said you've gone through using an agency yourself um, in caregiving for your family member. Are there any tips that you would want to share with how you should go about finding the right agency for you? That actually is, has been really challenging, especially mm-hmm. with COVID. Yes. So what, I mean, we all know we're in a caregiver shortage, and I suspect we'll see some changes with the vaccine mandate. Mm-hmm. We have had caregivers who are refusing to vaccinate or get tested, so that will eliminate some from the pool. But, you know, it's just um, it's constantly watching the situation. And even though initially I think you might find a, the greatest caregiver so you think. In time, I think people get comfortable. So it's, I'm also an advocate of doing kind of random unplanned checks where mm-hmm. you just stop in, look at the house, you know, does it, does it look tidy? Does it look like it, you know, is the meal prep adequate or are they just throwing something together? Are they on their phone? So um, it's really, it's hard to say just, you know, sometimes agencies are very reputable. I've, I have had this in with clients and I'll arrange for a caregiver and it does not work out. Mm-hmm. So it's really specific to the caregiver. But you can't give up because there definitely are diamonds in the rough. Absolutely. So you could have just the the worst experience, but then the next caregiver that comes is just this incredible, beautiful fit with with your loved one. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's finding an agency. Often they have different requirements. Some would have three hour minimum, some have four hour requirements. So it just, it really depends. And right now I have had agencies say to me, you'll need to look at another agency. Mm. And so we, you know, you just kind of bounce around till you find somebody who um, is available. As a, personally, we've had to use quite a few different agencies to provide coverage. And we do a blend. We have somebody hired privately, somebody hired through the agency, um, and somebody through care.com and we've, we've kind of rotated and it waxes and wanes. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. So yeah. it's finding the best situation that you can, but there's no magic pill, you know, there's <laughs> no magic wand for the greatest caregiving situation. And, you know, um, you just have to, it's, there's a lot of luck and, and just circumstance and they're constantly bringing on new caregivers into the situation, which is nice. Yeah, that is great. And it's such a good idea to kind of piece a whole bunch of different options together there. Uh, So Amy, are there any last resources that you would want to share? I know you mentioned some directories that are available, but any resources that um, our listeners should check out? Um, I think uh, the resource directory in uh, particular that I mentioned was it's resources for seniors. And that is like my care management Bible. Mm -hmm. I, I just think it's wonderful. And, um, and even if not only does the book provide information, you could call up the number in the book, and they're online, obviously, and um, ask any question you want. I've asked them both on a personal level for my mom and as a care manager. Um, I think, again, the whole, uh, depending on the diagnosis, Alzheimer's Association, and I, I'm saying this, again, personally and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, as a care manager, Alzheimer's Association has been fantastic, fantastic. There's lots of suggestions there, um, Dementia Alliance, there's support for people. The last thing that you want to say also is just even uh, looking at, um, it's more for facilities, but Medicare.gov is wonderful mm-hmm. for information. And then also um, Department of um, HHS, it's HHS.gov. 
North Carolina, North Carolina Department of HH, HHS.gov, little tongue twister there. <laughs> and um, they're, also, they're also great for resources, though. And they're, you know, it's out there. People are willing to help. And just finding someone to help you navigate through all the complexities because it's, it's challenging. It, it really is challenging. And um, it's, sometimes it takes a lot of time and effort to get the answers that you want. But um, it's just, you know, they need someone, someone, even, it could be a, a family member to advocate for them and help identify what their goals are, and then someone to tie it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is wonderful advice. That is the voice of Amy Langerud, and she is a RN and geriatric care manager with Preferred Living Solutions. Amy, if folks want to find more information about you, is preferredlivingsolutions.com the best place to do that? Yes. Perfect. Yes, they can read a little bit about all the care managers and our contact information, email and phone numbers with both offices in Wake Forest and Clayton are there. Excellent. PreferredLivingSolutions.com. Amy, thank you so much for your time and your expertise today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Well, we are, again, just about out of time here on the show today. If you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with a friend, be sure to go to WPTF.com, click on Podcasts, and there you'll find Aging Matters, and you can find this episode as well as all of our previous episodes as well. On behalf of Sam Peterson, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.